Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now we've been looking at wisdom for living. And essentially, the wisdom for living series is designed to share very practical things with us to help our lives get better and more progressive. And um, I was coming to the office this morning. One of the things that popped up in my spirit was when the Bible says that the children of this world are wiser than the children of the kingdom. Now, essentially, it was talking about certain natural things that the people of this world do that helps them to make a bit of progress and that sometimes as believers, we neglect. So, uh, wisdom for living basically is to share certain things that we might overlook to add to the spiritual things we have. So this morning we're looking at order and systems, the secret of greatness. Order and systems. Order would be O-R-D-E-R. Order and systems, the secret of greatness. First of all, let's start from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read the first four verses the first five verses and I'll share a few thoughts with you there Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was formless and void could you use the new American standard Bible please thank you the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters so we Realize that, stay on that place. We realize that the earth was formless. So it means that there was no shape. That's what formless would mean, right? There was no shape. Are you here? That's what formless would mean. There was no shape and void. Void would be nothing, right? Empty. Let's see what God did. Verse 3 Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Then God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. So God, even if you go to verse 14, go to verse 14 quickly. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens, to separate the day from the night. And let it be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and for years. Verse 15, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. Verse 16, God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. One to govern the day, one to govern the night. Now follow me. Just to extract, I'm not doing the theology of this. I'm doing the practicality. So just follow what I'm teaching. When God saw that there was formlessness, there was void, God went into a creative process. He spoke light, 
He created light. Okay? So follow me. There is void. There is emptiness. God created light. He separated light from darkness. Okay? Separated light from darkness. And decided that one light would govern the day and another light would govern the night. These were to uh, help us determine times and season. And all of this process came into one day. So, if I see one day, if you reverse that equation, if you come backward, you would, you would see that one day means light, darkness, light governing the day, darkness governing the night, and the separation of light and darkness. So, God's approach to formlessness, God, God's approach to emptiness was to create things in order. He created them in order. You could see the steps. You could see light, darkness, light, separation of light from darkness. One light to govern the day. One light to govern the night. Lesser lights in the night. Stars, moon, and everything came to one day. So if you unpack one day, if you open up what is in 24 hours, you understand that even though 24 hours look like a single unit, within the context of that single unit is a process of order. Do you follow it? Alright. So let's define this now. The secret of greatness. Let's define greatness so we're on the same page. Greatness is defined as finding and fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. That's greatness. So when I, anytime I mention greatness and success in this church... Anytime I mention greatness and success, what I'm actually saying is we are finding out and fulfilling God's plan for our lives. Anytime I mention success in this church, whether deliberately or consciously or unconscious, that's our definition of success here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our definition of success in this church is a man who is finding out and fulfilling God's plan for their life. Whether they have a private jet or they have a private leg. Do you understand that? Whether the man has a jet or has a leg. What's greatness? The man is finding out and fulfilling God's plan for their life. So that's our definition. Fourth fact about greatness. Number one, anyone in the kingdom can be great. Anybody in the kingdom of God can be great. The seed of greatness is in every man. The seed of greatness is in any, any, any man. So that means that every one of us seated here has the capacity to be great. Now, what's our definition of greatness again? We're finding out and fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our lives. Okay. Number two. Four facts about greatness. Number two. People do not stumble on greatness. Rather, people become great. They don't stumble on it. They become great. That means for us, greatness is a process. Greatness is a process. People become great. They don't stumble on it. So, we should stop wishing that one day we'll just be great. Hmm? Say, so one day, one day, go better. <laughs> no. It's a process. It's a process. You have to become great. Number three, the secret of greatness 
is in forming the habits and discipline required for it. And this is important. The secret of greatness is in forming the habits and the discipline required for it. Now let me explain this. Greatness to a musician like our sister who just led the worship. Greatness to her, for her to excel for instance as a music person. She has to have the discipline of voice training. And then the, the, the habit of voice training. That's the habit. And then what now? The discipline of maintaining Harry Hazards. So if you have habits and you don't have discipline, the habits would not produce the required result. If I want to be a, a great Bible teacher, I must form the habit of studying the Bible and the discipline of consistently studying the Bible. Right? If you want to be a great footballer, you must have the habit of going to the gym and what? The discipline of consistently going to the gym. So, habits without discipline would not produce the required result. Most times, we form the right habits, but then we don't have the discipline to do what? To consistently pursue those habits. So, forming the right habit is not a problem. It's the first step. So, greatness is found in forming the right habits and consistently doing it. So, someone said that great people are people who do things regularly, the right things regularly, as opposed to people who do things occasionally. So, how many of us have ever gone to the gym once here? You have ever gone to the gym, either in your, either your dream or in real life. How many of you have gone to the gym? To the gym? Either in your, if you have not gone to the gym, even in your dream, I don't think you should be here. But how many of you, even in your dream and in real life, you've gone to the gym once? Right. Now, do you think that you, with, with, I mean, having gone to the gym, either spiritually or physically, do you think that's enough to want to get in the ring uh, for a boxing competition? <laughs> you don't think so, right? Because you will see Jesus. Now, the, the issue is, everybody who is a boxing champion goes to the ring. But why does that man have the confidence to get in the ring? He goes what? Regularly. So, you have a habit, for instance, of going to the gym once. I know January will soon come, everybody will run there. And by March, you are back. Right? <laughs> uh, the, but the, 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 the champion does what? Goes constantly. Constantly. What's our definition of champions in this church? A champion is what? Is a master of what? Of the basics. Now, a champion is a master of the basics who does that what? Consistently. So, greatness is found in forming the right habits and the discipline required to sustain it. Number four, greatness is a personal responsibility that's not transferable. It doesn't matter how much you love someone, you can't force them to become great. You can't force them. That's why no matter how much money you make, if your children do not sustain, bracket, bracket that, greatness is a personal responsibility that is not transferable. If you are writing, bracket it. Your choice, your will, and your decisions are involved. Your choices, your will, and your decisions are what? Are involved. So, it, that's why if you are wealthy and your children are to inherit your wealth, 
you have you 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 don't just need to just live well for them you need to be able to convey the habits and the values that made you to come to that level of wealth if not they will not be able to sustain it you know for instance there are many things you learned in life that were conscious and unconscious for instance some of us we still do it up until now because old habits die hard you know when you're growing up you don't have enough food there's only one piece of meat to your, to your meal, you know you are taught either by experience or, or intentionally to finish the eba, finish the soup, make sure the plate is white and clean, and then you take the meat. How many of you learnt that consciously or unconsciously? All right now. Now, when you grow up in that kind of environment, waste is not in your nature. So you realize that even though now you have money and there's still food left in the plate, you cannot try to force yourself because you can still remember your mother's voice. Speaking on the inside of you, that food must not be wasted. Right? Now, you now have children. The Lord has blessed you. You give your child indomie. She picks some strands of indomie and says, oh, she doesn't like this. Then you pack it, you put it in the freezer. You give her something else, she says she doesn't like that. You pack that, you put that in the freezer. Now, after about one month, that food is still in the freezer. You bring it out again. She says the indomie is not fresh. She's not eating it, so you throw it away. Now, it doesn't sound like waste to you because that's freezed waste. It's been freezed. It's, it's rich waste, right? It doesn't sound like waste. But every time you clear your fridge, you will realize that you are actually throwing food away that's not bad, but just because your child said he doesn't like it, then the food is thrown away. In your mind, you are prosperous. But by the laws of greatness... You are training that child to be wasteful. It's waste. You're just basically throwing food away. It's not that your own lasts some days and it's cold. That's just the difference. It's freezed waste. It lasts some days. It's waste that goes through very rich process. It goes through the freezer, come down. You know, very, very well-trained waste. But it's the same thing. So when that child grows up with that mindset that things can be discarded at will, when I don't feel like, he approaches your company like that, and when he doesn't feel like doing the right things, money is wasted, and you wonder what the problem is, is because even though you gave them wealth, you did not transmit the values that convey that wealth. One day, uh, the remote control in our house for the DSTV was bad. I came back and he told me, so I called the man who was selling the remote control back then. I said, how much is it? And he said, it's 1,005. So I called my two children together. I said, as the father of this house, I have 500. The remote is 1,5. And we are three. The mathematics is simple. If three people would give 500 naira each, we would buy the remote. So they went to their piggy bank, got 500 naira each. From then till now, the remote has not spoiled. Are you, are you following that? They are the ones that protect it. Stand up, stand up. The remote is there, there, there. Because when they see the remote, they see their 500. Are you following this now? Because it is, you don't help your children to not to suffer what you did not suffer 
by not transmitting the values that got you where you are. What sustains things is the value, not the material things. Are you following this? So you must make sure that if it is dedication, if it is commitment to God that got you to where you are, you must endeavor to transmit those values so you can get it. Buy milk for a month. And by the 14th of that month, the milk is finished. They come and say the milk is finished. No, no problem. Today is 14th. Next milk arrives on the first of the next month. Say, so what shall we do before then? There are two options. You take the tea without milk. That's one option. Or you don't take tea at all. There are many people in this life who are alive and well without taking tea. That's one. Number two, there are many people in this life who are alive and well by taking tea without milk. That's two. So next time when they approach the milk container, they take it with their eyes on the calendar. It's not trying to be too harsh. See, prosperity is not in being extravagant. It's not in being wasteful. Touch your frugality. There is a lifestyle that serves as a conduct for perpetual greatness. Why would Jesus gather up the fragments? After all, whatever he multiplied came by miracle. Yet he gathered the fragments. Everything you have came by hard work. Yet you won't gather the fragments. How wise are you? Let's look at systems. So I'll do a bit of biology. Disclaimer, I'm not a science student. So if I get anything wrong, correct it in your mind. <laughs> Follow the message. <laughs> so let's do a bit of biology. Let's use the body, the human body. We're talking about order and systems. So I've talked about greatness. Let's talk about systems, then I'll talk about order. So let's use the human body because Paul uses the human body to teach us about um, spiritual life and the body of Christ. Okay, So we can use human analogy to teach spiritual things. So in the body, you have 11 major systems. Basic biology. You have 11 major systems. So you have, now, first of all, what's a system? So a system is a group of organs that carry out either one or more functions in the body. Just basic biology. Hmm? So a group of organs that carry out one or more functions in the body. So for instance, let's look at your uh, respiratory system, for instance. Your respiratory system your nose is part of it, which is your nasal cavity. Then you've got your lungs, of course. Alright? Now, what takes place in that is oxygen coming and carbon dioxide going out. So there are several organs responsible for that. Alright? The biology class you refuse to sit in. And you jump out of the window, you're back in. Because God has a way of bringing you back to where you... Do you understand that now? Now... If I look at your body, I see Mr. A. But if I unpack your body, remember what we talked about, Genesis? If I unpack your body, I see a combination of systems. So if I look at you, I say, Mr. John, Mr. Matthew. But actually, Mr. Matthew is a combination of skeletal systems, respiratory system, digestive system, nervous system, muscular system, Right? That makes you up. So, 
Let's take your skeletal system, for example. Your skeletal system is made up of your joints and your bones. So every system in your body, your reproductive system, made up of... So every system in your body is made up of several organs. Now, the functioning of that system is what makes you a human being. Is it simple? Okay. So, let's go to Matthew 6, 26. Matthew 6, 26. Let me show you something from scriptures there. Don't forget, talking about systems. In Matthew 6, 26, Jesus is talking about anxiety, but he says, look at the beds of the air. Denied that they neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into bands. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now, look at the first line of that scripture carefully. Can you pick out three things for me that look like a system there? Sorry, it's, it's simple. The answer is there. You can't feel it. Just say anything in the first verse. You might likely be correct. Okay. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into bands. So that sowing, reaping, and gathering into bands is what forms an economic system. You first of all have to sow, then you would reap, then you would gather into bands. Which more is more like um, income, savings, and investments. Your gathering into ban is keeping for future use. Okay. So when you look at Joseph, when there was famine in the land, God gave him an economic system. 20% to be saved, some to be sold. So that's a system. That's a system. So now, each of these, remember what you said, is the definition of a system, the biological definition. It's a group of organs, you know, that are dedicated to one function or more than one function. So, let's take your skeletal system, for example. So, you've got bones, you've got your skeleton, and then you've got your uh, joints, okay? So, the bones and the joints all work together, and they are part of your skeletal system, all right? Now, if someone has arthritis, for instance. Now, arthritis basically is a joint issue, right? So, let's say someone has arthritis, it's going to affect their productivity, Right? Are you still here? So if somebody has attractives in his left leg, it's going to affect probably their productivity totally. Because each of the systems in the body are interrelated and interconnected. That's what makes it a system. Okay? Now, your destiny is interconnected and interrelated. So if somebody has greatness, so if somebody has, if somebody is very good, but they have a problem in their finances, they don't know how to manage money, that has the ability to affect their productivity in coming into greatness. All other systems in their life can be working well, but if they have a financial, maybe they don't know how to save and they are very extravagant, that affects them from being able to get to the level of greatness because every system has to contribute to come to this point called greatness. Are we together? Alright. So, if you take that and put it here, you see, they neither sow, reap, nor gather into bands. So we can say sowing is an organ, reaping is an organ, gathering into bands is an organ to form a financial system. Now, what that means is that if a man knows how to sow, how to reap, but he doesn't know how to gather, there's going to be an issue. Alright. So, 
And then most times again, you realize that we are very concerned, Paul talks about that, about the external look. So let's take your skeletal system, for example. Your skeletal system is also made up of, uh, part of your skeletal system is your ribcage. Now your ribcage covers your lungs and just covers all the vital organs you have here. Now, if you want to look at, I mean, both guys and our wonderful sisters, right? When they're in front of the mirror and they need to make up. I mean, they do all the makeup, all the nice things. And, I mean, some don't even mind taking the ruler to measure the eyebrow, make sure it's two centimeters on the left, it has to be two centimeters on the right. I mean, everything is nice. And dress well, nice hair, good looking hair, perfume, deodorant. You know, some people spray and you're like, what? Where are you going? Are you ever going to come back from this journey? Like body spray, first layer, second layer. Like I'm going to confuse them. They will not know which pen I'm using. I mean, mix the thing up. And very good. And you, know, you have some guys, well-dressed, shoe talking. They've got tie. They've got lapel. They've got flower. They've got bangles. They've got rings to match. They take care of the body. And these guys will walk in and sit over a plate of food for 20 minutes that everything in that table is unhealthy. Even when you offer them water, I say, no, I don't take my food with water. I take it with Sprite. It, it looks like you are a big boy. But from your first plate to your last plate is unhealthy. You're not paying as much attention to your internal organs as you are to your external organs. That is how People fail in life. You are more concerned about what people see of you than the real you. So you don't mind being in debt and having a life of prosperity while you're dying silently. And so systems help you to be able to... I'm going to talk about priority one of the Wednesdays. Systems helps you. And let me just say this because I think I forgot to announce in the first service. The last Wednesday of this month... We're going to have question and answer on all I've taught on the wisdom for living. So if you have questions on any of the places I've thought of, then you can come with it that Wednesday. But, so systems helps you to be able to recognize this. Now, you need to be able to pay attention, I'll teach on priorities, on the things that matter. The things that really matter in your life. Let's look at five major areas you need to develop systems that would help you. Number one, your spiritual life. Five major areas you need to develop systems that would help you. Number one, your spiritual life. Now, your spiritual life is made up of particularly, let's say, four organs. Remember our definition of system. Your prayer life, your word life, your fasting life, your soul winning life. Those are the four organs that make up your spiritual system. So you need to develop a plan to make sure that these things are efficiently done. You have to get a plan to ensure that these things are efficiently done. That means that these things are done regularly. You're praying regularly, you're studying regularly, you're fasting, you are going out and sharing the gospel. So the first area you need to develop your, your, your system for is your spiritual life. Now, what a system does for you is that it helps things to work without, uh, how would I put it? It's like everybody just knows what to do. Hmm? You get up in the morning, you know this is when to pray. This is when to study. That's a system. This is how it functions. Your, your nose does not get up and say, you know what, today I'm tired of breathing. I'm tired. We've been alive for 40 years. I'm the only one doing the breathing. I'm the only one doing the breathing. I want to hear. 
<laughs> yeah, that's going to be a problem. Number two, your finance. Where you must develop a system. So your spiritual life must run on a system. These are my prayer days. These are the days I set aside to study the word. These are the days I fast. You can even decide to just say, the first two days of every month, I would fast. That's a system. Hmm? Brother Hagen used to fast, I think, twice a week. System. Just stay off meal and spend time with the Lord. These are my study schedule and all that. I don't want to have talk, talked about developing ourselves in all these things. So go get those messages. Finance. What will make up your financial system? What are the organs that will make up your financial system? Income, saving, investment, and giving. Your income, your savings, your investment, and your giving. Let me be very sincere with you. Nobody can give and give and give and give and become a financial giant. The scripture doesn't teach that. It was God that taught Joseph to save. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Give us never lack, give us never lack. A foolish giver will lack. You must learn to say, Jesus had a money bag. What was Judas keeping the money for? So when they need to buy things, they would have to buy. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Just write it down. It says on the first day, you can put it up for us. First Corinthians 16, 2. Can you just put it up for us? It says on the first day of the week, let every man lay aside. What they are to what? To give. Lay aside what you are to give. What I would want to refer to there is planned generosity. Planned generosity. Make on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. So that no collections be made when I come. Put something aside and save so that when you want to give, it's planned generosity. Let me tell you something. In this part of the world... People can live off your hard work. And they don't feel bad about it. So you need to be careful of that. Your generosity has to be planned. You are not Jehovah Jireh. Hmm? How's your income? How's your saving? How's your investment? When we talk about investment here, you must also follow scriptural guidelines. He that make haste will not be rich. That's why most times we lose money. It's greed and covetousness. Someone will tell you, I have this investment, it will bring 40%, 45% in one month. Inflation is 18%. You won't listen. Go and throw your whole money there. Hmm? That's why when MMM came, I don't understand the rationale behind it. And unfortunately, some pastors were peddling it from the pulpit and recruiting their members. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And pay attention to this. Every genuine pastor, in as much as he wants the people under him to prosper, if you are taught properly as a pastor, you are not the ones to be recommending financial investment to your church members to use your church members to climb any ladder. That's not your role. You have to teach them God's word. The Holy Spirit is in them. They will guide them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because people have destroyed the church of God because pastors also want to climb ladder. Do you now use members? You know if I come here now and I mention any investment, most of you will do it without thinking. You say, MMM, you give me 40,000. I will pay me. You pay you. You give me 45,000. What are we buying? What are we selling? You did not ask. You went to pay. Hmm? I don't feel sorry for people who lose money those ways. Because there is, you see, let me tell you, if there is no level of greed in you, you can hardly be scammed. That is the truth. I know you will not agree, but that is the truth. You still want to hammer quickly and surprise us. Don't surprise us. 
investment is coming, you have calculated, you give me 45%, ah, we just buy this car, we just relax. He that makes haste to be rich, scripture says what? Will not be innocent. People become wealthy. It's a gradual process. Huh? So you look at your savings, your investment, your giving. All of, these, all of these organs must function at their optimal for you to get into financial greatness. So if you don't know how to save, it will be an issue. If you don't know how to invest properly, it will be an issue. The financial system given to the Israelites, the tithes and all of that, was a financial system God gave the Israelites to function with. There was a portion dedicated to widows. There was a portion dedicated to those who were jobless. Then Paul speaks to Timothy. I'm going to teach about that. Because most times we don't understand welfare in church. Welfare in church is not to encourage lazy people. Paul speaks to Timothy very clearly that if a widow is a widow and is below certain ages, the church will not give her welfare. Let her go and look for a job. Say, if not, you give her welfare and then she will become a busybody. There are people who gossip a lot. Are people who, are, who, don't have, who don't have work. I mean, I've been preaching all through the week. Came back yesterday. Very tired. Had to get ready for this. I'll resume office. I have stuff to do. Where do you think I'll have the time to say, this one said that they said, she said, they now said he did not come and they said, they said. But then you are working hard here and you have somebody in the village who is not doing anything and all they are doing is you sending them money. You are empowering their gossiping life. Yeah, they don't have anything to do. That's the truth. There are some of you, you haven't seen your phone in days. It's not that you don't like social media. You don't have the time. So you must not empower people's foolishness that you are a Christian. We have to redefine this thing we call love. Some of you give to people who are basically gambling with your phones. You work hard and you are sponsoring a, gam- a gambler somewhere. And they are good with stories. And in your mind you are doing well. That's why you can't break into a level of... Because if God trusts you with a level of wealth, that means you will fund all kinds of stuff with his resources. You give people money, you don't demand accountability. You don't demand stewardship. But if it is church, we will not hear what. After the 10%, I'm not clear on what they are doing with my money. You have been giving 30% to your uncle for 30 years. Are you, are, are you clear on what he's doing with the money? I mean, I mean, we just try to get wise when it comes to the things of God. He says, my blood brother. Am I not your blood brother? <laughs> Number three, your vision. Your God-given destiny. You've got to have three things to make what God wants you to do to come to pass. People, places, and the task required to make this happen. So, every, the organ that makes a vision work is people, places, and tasks task of the job you need to do. So as a pastor, the people, who are the people I'm called to reach? All of you seated here. Where's the place I'm called to work? Bonnie Island. What is the task I'm given? Preaching and doing what? Teaching the word. So I have to develop a system in such a way that I'm interacting with you, I'm studying the word, and I'm preaching the word. Okay? Because that's part of my destiny. Number four, your relationships. We're looking at five key areas you need to develop systems. So, you have to go back home and sit over these things and develop systems that would help you. First one, spiritual life, finance, vision, relationships. And I'm going to be hard on this because it's important. The Bible says he that works with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. All relationships, pay very close attention to this, must not be given equal attention. We love all men. 
We are peace with all men, but all relationship must not be given equal attention. Hmm? Someone sent me a message some days back. Sent me a message. Said, uh, it's been a while I heard from you. Then I said, yes, it's been a while I heard from you here. Also. You know where the person was going? That I was not keeping in touch. And it doesn't make sense. You have my number. You have my WhatsApp number. You have my Facebook page. And then, I know, it went that way. Ah, you don't even keep in touch. So I asked him a simple question. I said, now that you sent me this message, did I reply? He said, yes. I said, so if you had sent me a message all these years, I would have also replied. You didn't keep in touch. I didn't keep in touch. There's no need of pouring the guilt of that silence on me. You reach out, I will reach out. If I don't reach out and you reach out and I don't respond to your message, then that's where there's a problem, that I don't keep in touch. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Because people call you and then that's the person you say, ah, you forgot us. Hey, you forgot me. I mean, you don't... We try to make it like relationship is a one-sided thing. So, let's just continue the conversation from today that we have kept in touch and move on. Forget about whether 10 years ago I didn't keep in touch. It's mutual. It's, it's mutual. And let me explain this to you. Why must all relationships in your life not be given equal attention? Because all relationships in your life do not bring equal benefits. Only 20% of the relationship in your life right now will give you 80% of value. And I'll give you a typical example. 20% of your life would give you 80% value. And I'll show you from scriptures that Jesus lived this principle. Let me give you an example. Let me use funeral, for example, because it's something we are all used to. If you have a funeral now, and about 300 people appear, you know, because even we, we take our self-esteem from some of these things that don't give value. Now, you say, ah, about 200 of my friends came. No. You have 200 people who came to take from you. Let me explain. I know it's a very touchy issue, but follow me. Let's look at it from another side. These 300 people came. Probably the thing they contributed was their boss. For some, you even paid for the boss. How can we come for your father's burial? You say there's no transport. Uh-uh. Give us boss. We are coming. So you pay for boss. The canopy that they will sit under, you pay for it. The food they will eat, you will provide. They came to bury someone. Then for those of you that are still mixing your Christianity, hmm? you are mixing it in a way that is not too harsh. You now give soft drink to church people. Then buy strong drink for your strong men. Because some of you are, uh, uh, say, 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 Pastor, this is a church where you stay here. Pastor, you both should stay here. Because you don't want you to enter the holies of holies. So, so you, you actually have about Two sets of barriers. You have the Christian barrier for, for people like us. So we won't use you to preach. Then you have the main barrier for your people. After you have sent us forth, people can go, there's no need to spend time. We'll just bear it's okay. So just go, you should go, go, go. We have plans. Huh? They will drink on your head, both soft and strong. And you realize that 200 people you got indebted trying to bury your father. Out of those 200 people, maybe only three of your friends will call you and say, this burial, how are you sorting it out? 
maybe only three would give you something towards that funeral. It is those three that are your friends. You see all those people that came to eat? <laughs> That's what happened to the prodigal son. See, they helped him to waste his resources. And when he was hungry, no man gave him anything. Two questions you must ask yourself in this life. If I don't have as much money as I have now, who will hang around me? If things become bad, who will remain with me? You know how I know my friends in ministry? It's not the places I preach now. I ask myself, God forbid, a scandal breaks out. Who would stand by me? and say, this guy made a mistake, but I'll stay by him. That's my friend. Then number two, if I die, who will ensure that my wife is fed and my son completes his education? That's my friend. That, okay, this man is gone. No, his son must go to school. It's not even church members. Because I've seen pastors where they are passed on, then a new pastor comes and then they have them fight. So, it's not church. This is not a corporate decision. People that will ensure that, listen, those are your friends. It's not all the people you gather around, help you waste your money, help you take your time. And I'll show you from the life of Jesus. It's in scriptures. Matthew chapter 17 verse 1. Jesus always took Peter, James and John to the mountain. There were things Jesus taught Peter, James and John. And he said, tell no one. That means even the other disciples, they were not to tell them. Why was Jesus so focused on Peter, James and John? They were going to become the pillars of the church. So Jesus had 12 disciples. He had three inner circles. He had 70 other disciples who performed signs and wonders. And then he had the multitudes that followed him. He did not give the same attention Jesus was finished teaching a parable. He would take his disciples up and explain the parable to them. You can't give your time, the same amount of time to everybody in your life because you want to please men. You have to develop a system where you judge who takes what amount of your time has the greatest value. Are we, are we clear on this? Yeah. Paul poured his time to Timothy Titus some of the people he mentored, although he had people all over. Then your personal development, number five. Let's go quickly. Personal development, number five. You must develop a system for your personal development. This will include your career. What is your job? You are a professional engineer. Are there more certifications you need to take? Develop a system. Say, oh, after every two years, I would go on this. Don't wait for your company to send you on training. Don't I don't want to call it an entitlement mentality, but because I know that some, for some of us in our contracts, we've got that. But if your company does not send you on training, you have to develop a system where you are going out to get the best. Are you following what I'm saying? Church doesn't have uh, training for me. Have you, have you people sent me on training before? <laughs> yeah, but I have to, I, I mean, I don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for your company. Somebody can just come and think you don't deserve this training. Instead of fighting for your rights in that sense, I don't, I'm not interfering with your job space, but make your own plan that I will go for this. At this year, maybe after four years, I'll get to the next level. Have that system. So you're working towards it. So you're working towards it. 
your personal development plan will include reading. Have a system. Don't read after you hear messages like this. Have a system that is consistent with reading. Right? I read such and such number of books. I read. Have that system. Just build it into your life. Then have other personal development plan that works for you. So these five areas of your life, you must sit down and develop a system for them. You know, yesterday I called my son and I was telling him something. So he was playing a computer game. So I called him. So I said, this computer game is to help you relax and catch fun. It's not for you to become an expert in it. You, 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 do you understand? Like, you, you are not to become an expert FIFA player. The man would... <laughs> I mean... So, I play with him. And the Holy Spirit helps me to overcome most times. <laughs> but I have, I, have, I have to now change his perception about the game. I said, you see how I play the game? I said, I play when I just need to relax. The way you should be thinking is who built this game. That's how you should think. Think on how did somebody think of this game and developed it to give me pleasure. So you too will think of something you will create to help other people. That's how you should see the game. Yeah, Because an expert in FIFA, there's no award anywhere in the world for it. You, you just have to understand that because there are, I mean, I'm using that because he's a child. But there are things you are spending your time on now, sir, that there is zero value to your life, but you pour a lot of them into it. Number one, the way you watch films. Those series you want to complete. Is there any time in your life they will call you and say, if you have finished this series and you finish on time and you understand clearly everything in this series, come this way. Nobody will ask you. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, those things are not wrong. But your approach to them must be right. So that you are not giving majority of time to things that have zero value to what? To your purpose and your destiny. So, you build a system in which those things are part of your hobby. They are not your profession. So, how to, how to help him adjust that lens? If not, you will now use your own prosperity to buy laziness. Because some of these things, we engage in them because we have money. It's not because you have money to buy data that you are watching, watching, watching a, a video all the time. And because you have money to buy phone. You think the, 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 the young girl like you who doesn't have money to buy phone and have all of those things, you think he's watching... You know, because sometimes God blesses us and then we now indulge in practices that won't make us progress. So if you don't learn how to manage prosperity, your prosperity becomes the source of your downfall. How do you get addicted to pornography if you don't have him? If you don't have phone? Will you watch anything? Or you go and be watching women who are taking their bath? I mean, you, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be righteous. But now you have money. You have data. You have internet. It's free internet. So you now use money to now buy a habit that enslaves you. And you are wondering why God will not prosper you. So that what will happen? You carry all the girls and lock them up somewhere. People think, oh, this man. No, it's not that. You know, some, some people are not doing certain things because they don't have the money for it. Because some certain things are expensive. Yeah. Certain things are expensive. 
So you have to ask yourself, this prosperity that God has given to me, do I have a system that guards me? from it? I'll tell you a typical example. Anybody that's traveled with me knows. I have a policy. I never turn on the television in a hotel room. Any hotel I go to is off. Any, I'm, I mean, I'm traveling alone. I'm not with my wife. And I'm, no, no way. I do, it's a system. I don't care what they are showing. I, if I want to relax, I'll relax with message. It's a system. You just put it. It's not. You are, no, you're not going by emotions. You're not going, I feel like watching something. Don't feel anything. Go to bed. System. You just put it there. So your life runs on that system and you are not having to make decisions all the time. Should I do this? Should I not do this? No. This is what I plan to give in a month. There's a system that covers it. This is how I plan to read. There's a system that covers it. Even if things alternate back and front, you still know that you are able to do what? To catch up on the system. Are you still here? Alright. Now let's look at order quickly. I said this will spill a bit because I have to finish this. Order. What is order? Order is the accurate arrangement of things. Accurate arrangement of things. Let's read a, a couple of scriptures. So just write them down, okay? Just write them down so we can go fast. Number, number one, 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Scripture says, But all things must be done properly and in an orderly way. King James Version says, All things must be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Hmm? This was talking about prophesying, but the Bible says prophesy in an orderly manner. Don't just come to church. This one is prophesying. That one is prophesying. That one is prophesying. I mean, have you heard that confusion? No, it says prophesy. That means even in the manifestation of the spiritual gift, God wants order. Number two. Have you, I mean, uh, have you been in a classroom where the teacher asks who knows this answer? And then everybody's talking. What does the teacher say? Okay, keep quiet. If you want to answer the question, raise your hand. What's that? Order. 1 Corinthians 14.43 It says, For our God is not a God of disorder. Everybody say, Our God is not a God of disorder. Say it one more time. Say, Our God is not a God of disorder. Now that word disorder is confusion. So that means disorder is confusion. Disorderliness is confusion. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. God wanted them to preach the gospel. He did not say, start to preach anywhere you like. He says, Judea, Jerusalem, huh? Judea, then what? Samaria. And that's how your life should be. Order. This is what I'm doing this year. You know, I tell people most times, why don't you just focus on one project in a year? You know, some parents just told themselves, see, I will not be able to go to school, I will not be able to be a rich man in this life, but all I want to do is just to train my children to have a good education. They do whatever they can, try to put them in good schools, provide everything for them. Years later, God helping them. Those children grow up, have a good job, later now buy a car and buy a house for them. Why? The man ordered his steps aright. Some of the things we call multitasking is just confusion and disorder. In a year, you can pick up a project, finish a project, and be content. You will live long. You can't be praying for long life and acting like you will soon die. 
You are praying for long life, but your actions are denoting, it's almost like you are in a hurry. But yet you keep no, if you're praying for long life, then you can be able to pace the things that you're doing. Alright, let's go. Uh, Titus 1 5. Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. Paul speaking to Titus, he says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you will set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city. Appointing of leaders in church, orderly, orderly appointment of leaders. I want you to pick the word order. Judges chapter 6 and verse 26. It says, And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly way. That means God is saying the altar you need to build should be orderly. Don't just build an altar the way you like it. You remember when God broke out against um, Uzzah? What happened? Says they did not follow him after the due order. They did not consult God after the due order. Mark chapter 6, verse 40. No, hold on. Let's do 2 Kings 20, verse 1. This is what the Lord says Set your house in order, for you're going to die and not leave. Although we don't like it so much, it looks like a step, not a step of faith, but please put your will down. Set your house in order. Show us where your password is before you go. Hmm? Some people are very funny. Somebody now dies, then you now say your brothers are coming to harass your wife. If it is me, I will ask God for permission. I just want to address one or two things. I'll be back. I'm not praying for long life. I will come back and take, if I have two brothers, I will take two of you with me where I'm going. What nonsense. Woman that suffered with me had no clue where we have gotten here, then I now die. You now say, you are, you are chasing property or chasing... Yeah, I mean, no, it's not possible. I say, God, excuse me. Excuse me, from this judgment, I will be back. And I'm coming with two people. I will chase you and kill you. Have you the house? You now drive your wife. Say, hey, my brother, get married, no boundaries. Uh, my mother took care of me because the way, what, what did they not take care of? Is it, is it chimpanzee that took care of the person you married? You know, sometimes, sometimes even as men, we almost talk like the wife we married actually, you know, we just picked her and just we are helping her. It's embarrassing. That's not how a Christian home should run. Have a meeting with your wife, your, your, your mother now calls, then you, you just cut her everything. Say, oh, I know what my mother suffered for me. Go and marry her. I mean, it's, 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 it's annoying how we live. Marriage is an institution ordained by God. And we subject it, no boundaries, nothing. I've always been like this. It's not, I've always been like this. First couple of months when we got married, maybe two months or so, I was somewhere. And it's not like I, I have, you don't need to have money to have values. You just need to have sense. You don't need to have money. And then my younger sisters came, three of them, with a backpack. Uh-uh. Where are you coming to? Say, mommy said we should come and spend holiday. Holiday where? Where were you there? He said, uh, here. Uh-uh. I said, did they tell me? He said, no. Did you tell Samiri? He said, no. I said, okay, no problem. I did open the door. Went inside. They were still outside. Went inside, took transport. I said, go back. Tell her that. I said, you people cannot come. 
let her call me. When it's okay, you will come. It's not whether my wife would come where? Who will give you food? I don't enter kitchen. I don't enter. It's not that um, it's just me. It's not a good thing, but I'm telling you that I don't enter. So don't say my pastor does not enter. I'm, I'm not your mentor. I don't enter. It's not a good thing. But, uh, and even when I enter, at, at the end, they have to beg me out. Say, it's okay. We have seen... You know when Abraham wanted to kill, kill Isaac? God, now say, I've seen your heart. Leave the boy. So when I enter the kitchen and I want to cook, they say, we, we know you want to be a good man, but stay there. So I don't enter. So, so that means that anybody who is coming to the house would have to depend on her. So what that simply means is that I need to check if it is convenient with her. That even though I'm the one bringing the money, in quote, I'm not the one doing the cooking. And when you come and stay with me, it's not the money that will take care of you. It's the one. So if it's not okay with her, it's not okay with me because I can't help you. It's so simple. You are alive. You haven't placed boundary. When you die, that's why they'll be debating where they should bury you. Now go and divide property. I tell your wife to come and come and explain what happened to you. Say it's our, it's our tradition. Where has that tradition taken us to? It feels good when you talk about these things. I believe God wants to help someone. It feels good when you talk about these things when you are the man. Put yourself in the position of the woman. And think of yourself that one day my daughter will go out and marry someone. And think of, you understand? Don't think because you are a man now. Say, it's correct. I agree with it. I don't want to change what the fathers have put. Your daughter will go out. And then you also don't change what the fathers have put. Because we live almost as if if something benefits us, then it is fine. But scripture doesn't teach us that. You know why? The scripture says you are one flesh. So what that actually means is that the husband and the wife, whatever they have, is their property. Even when one person passes out, the other person still has a right to that property. Say amen. amen. These are the questions you ask before you marry. Takes you to tantalizers and buy ice cream for you. Say, are you okay? Say, yes, I'm in love. Even if you take a madman to tantalizers and buy ice cream for them and cold stone and the man is mad and you say, do you love me? You say, I love you. Because once behavior, once behavior comes, people will do what? Will change. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright. Now, let's go to Mark chapter 6 and verse 40. Let's go to Mark chapter 6 and verse 40. And I really like this. Mark 6 40, if you read the Amplified Version. Now, Jesus wanted to feed the 5,000 people. It says, they sat down in groups. If you read the Amplified Version. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. So that the crowd resembled an orderly arrangement of colorful plots. 
The Amplified says they sat down in crowd, in groups of hundreds and fifty. So when you looked at it from afar, it's like an orderly arrangement of herbs. God wanted to multiply food and he told the people to sit down in groups. Order. He didn't just say, sit down, sit down. The food will reach you anywhere you are. You know one of the things that makes corruption to thrive in our country is disorder. Have you realized this? I don't know how many of you have, well, so, some of you that have traveled, right? You realize when you go out of this country, hmm? maybe you land in Heathrow, or you land in Schiphol in Amsterdam. You see how orderly everybody is? Yeah? Have you observed that? Everybody comes down. Even in Ghana here. Everybody comes down, walking very quietly like lambs are taken to the slaughter. Huh? Order, because that the whole environment is orderly. You just land in Mortala Mohammed International Airport. As the plane touches the ground, the first thing you hear is clap. Everybody's afraid that they will die. So the first of all, clap. After the clapping, you would hear constantly, please sit down, please for where? Belt. I mean disorder. Everybody's running. I, I just wonder, is this not the same people we, we climbed the plane on, we boarded the plane together? You know what has happened? They have entered into an environment of disorder. And in your life, listen very carefully to me. Create an environment of order. If not, people will bring disorder into your life. Create an environment that when people come into your life, there is order. They will fit in. It may take a bit of struggle, but create order. So they sat in groups of 150, so the crowd resembled an orderly arrangement of colorful garden plots. Oh, this, this, this got to me when I read it in the Amplified. God wants to feed people, and He said, Let them sit down. And He says, When you looked at them, they looked like colorful garden plants, seated in rows. Even at that time, there was no ushers. Imagine as you came to church, you sat everywhere, anywhere you like. When people are seated in rows, there's beauty. God wants order. God did not perform a miracle of multiplication without order. He wants order. So you have to bring order into your life. God cannot put order in your life. You have to put it yourself. So let's go through this quickly. I have a couple of points left. God will not bring order. You have to institute order. Let's look at a few points here. Number one, the quality of what is done is more important than the quantity of what is done. In life, it's not about how many you get done. It's the quality of what is what? What is done. What's the quality of what you're doing? What's the quality of what you're doing? And order enhances quality. Hmm? If you see production of water, where water is properly produced, maybe like ever water and the rest, what are you going to see? You see the factory. Things are coming. Mistakes can be spotted. Order. If you get into a place of order, it's easy to spot mistakes, to spot correction. Where there's disorder and confusion and chaos, you can't spot anything. Disorder is destructive. Disorder is destructive. Disorder will distract you. Well, I'm just giving you points now, so you can label them however you want. Anything tolerated multiplies. Please pay attention to that. Anything tolerated multiplies. Any level of disorder tolerated in your life would multiply. Just as order grows, disorder grows. 
Anything tolerated in your life will multiply and anything you tolerate will not change. If you tolerate disorder, it will not change. I think we're fine. We're not doing scriptures anymore. Anything you tolerate will not change. If you tolerate disorder, it will not change. You know, I spoke to you about uh, the family now. Put order in your family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Put order. Put order on what your kids do. Put order on finances. Put order. Man, I bless God for my wife. Early days of our marriage, man, there were a lot of things that helped us to get to where we are. When we got married first time, she going, going to market, I said, oh, I need a list of the things you're going to buy. It's not because I don't trust you. It's order. If you carry a list to the market, it's safer for us. Just order. Until tomorrow, we still do that. She's just right. This is what I want to do. It's not, it's just order. It's not give me money. Give me money. Ah, things are high. Things, let's see the things that are high. Let's see. There. Write it. Write it. Things are high. Write it there. Just order. Bring order into your system. Have money you allocate for feeding. Or make sure you, you can't be helping the world and your family is hungry. You go outside, they will heal you. Jemo, Jemo, Jemo. You are drinking pepper soup, drinking pepper soup. Children at home hungry. It's just disorder. Pleasing people that don't matter. There are things you should not tamper with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you will give, 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 give. Then you will not be borrowing your tithes. Say, God, I will pay next month. You know, we're under the New Testament. I will pay. Amen, amen. It's just disorder. What belongs to God, give it to God. What belongs to your parents, give it to your parents. Don't, don't, don't let kingdom commitment and family commitment and things suffer because you want to please people. Bring order to your system. You have, you have ten brothers. You can only help one a month. Let them know. Every month, I'll be able to help only one. So you, you people take number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So you know your money is coming in September. Between now and September, there should be no contact. It's simple. It's simple. I'm the only one they have. Until you die, you now realize you're not the only one they have. You're not God. Stop playing God in the place of people. Don't allow anybody to use the word breadwinner for you. You're not. You're just the channel. And I'll tell you the truth. There are, there are times when, I mean, it shouldn't happen, but there are times where certain women have just found out, oh, I can't do anything, and then the husband passes on, and the woman struggles and trains all the children, even more than when the man was alive. What happened? Circumstances forced their potential to come out. You don't need circumstances to force your potential. And most of those people tell them to go and learn a trade, they never put their head down. Yeah. You know, we, we, we pay for some people in this church to go and learn trades. You know the number one thing we always encounter? Most people don't want to accept people that church is sponsoring. I'll tell you the truth. You know the reason they gave? It says when church pay, they don't value it. And it's true. They will come late. Why? It's paid for. That's the truth. Every time we go, they say a lot of churches bring people. The boys are not serious. They will be telling us. Yeah, it's true. In fact, one said, one called. There was the time we were doing training and then we've got monthly support. One called. Said, they, said, they, they said, I should go and do... I mean, we asked him, what can you do? He brought a lot. What would you like to do? Suggested. Later, he now said, we said he should go and do it. Do you think anybody that approaches any work is learning as his church that said, I should come, will take it serious? No, it's called learned helplessness. So you have to bring order into your charity life. Hmm? 
Let people be accountable for what you give to them. Let them show you results of what they are doing. It's order. It helps your system. Wherever there is disorder, there is no productivity. Luke 9.14 repeats the same story. Have them sit down in groups of about 50. Where there is disorder, there is no what? Productivity. Once there is disorder, there is no productivity. You can't get anything done if there is disorder. Imagine as I am preaching now, everyone is seated, everyone is writing notes. Maybe six people just get up and start dancing. Do you think we are going to have the same level of consecration? No, we will not. Because that will bring distraction. It's the same thing with your life. The next one, disorder requires discipline to maintain. Sorry, disorder requires no discipline to maintain. Order requires discipline. That's why order is tough. Order would require what? Discipline. Let's say, for instance, we get into a stadium. And we say, everybody just run. We don't need discipline to make everybody run. You know, everybody will just run, carry chairs and all kinds of things. But if it was to be a May 1st, a worker's day, and we say, well, every church is going to march, what's going to happen? Everybody will come in order. And then they would have to match. So, you need discipline to maintain order. In your home, you need discipline to maintain order. Hmm? In your personal life, you need discipline to maintain order. Around you, discipline needed is needed to maintain order. Next point, we have three more and then we will wrap up. The human nature naturally does not like order. Human nature does not like order. Human beings naturally does not like order. That's why disorder is easy. It's easy to throw your clothes down than to hang your clothes. How many of you know? Just say yes. I know you know. Say yes. How many of you know? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's just easy. It's easy to wear squeeze shirts than to hang on your shirt. It's easy. Then, you know, when you are walking in disorder, you'll be justifying the reason. Ah, this material does not even really need ironing. I think it's, is it not straight? <laughs> I mean, you know, disorder requires no discipline. It's when you want to bring order into a place, you know that many people don't like order. Get, be made a supervisor and just say, I want everybody to resume on time, close up. That's when you just realize that people don't like. People just like to be left alone. People just like to, they want to do things when they feel like. They want to read. Look at your children. If you don't bring order, they will, they will, they never get tired watching cartoon. They will even sleep. When you now carry them, say, let's go. They say, no, I'm not really sleepy. Why? <laughs> Why this? Then you look at some homes. They say you go to bed by 8 o'clock. Hmm? Over the years, if you have instilled that order, when it's 8, they go to bed. If you don't create that system, if you don't create that system, and I'm beginning to see it more as, as God helps us raise, I mean, you look at your own life, you just realize that, ah, no, disorder tolerated will grow. I've realized this, probably in a very sad way, that if disorder is tolerated, it will never stop on its own. You have to come and put a stop to it. Right? You have to say, no, this, this is the final day. It will cost you friends, it will cost you people, it might cost you relationships. But you have to put a stop to this order and put order. And then, human beings are funny. After a while, they will adjust to order. Order will increase your productivity. Planning your day, planning your week will get more done in one day or one week than an unplanned day or week. Plan, this is a new week. Plan what you want to do. It will help you. 
How many minutes does it, does it take to plan a day? Maybe 30 minutes at most. But the discipline to sit down and plan our day is where the problem is. That's why I said the children of this world are wiser than children of the kingdom. Jesus said that. That's why if you re- realize, those of you who work in companies, right? Good companies now. <laughs> As you, the higher you go in managerial levels, right? The more you work with tasks and targets. They don't, they don't just believe because you are a manager, you know what to do. They will tell you, write out what you want to do. Performance indica- um, key performance indicators. What should be achieved at what end. They just do that. It's on paper. We expect this of you. We expect you should do the same for your life. What are your key performance indicators for this week? What would, when you get to Friday, what would make you look back and say, I used this week well? Is he reading a book? Is he praying? Is he studying? Is he writing a chapter of a book? Is he listening to a message? Put it. That's what, you have to be deliberate about these things. You can't just get up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. We just have to be glad in it. I'm going to teach you Bible interpretation. That scripture has nothing to do with a day you will be happy. That scripture was talking about Jesus, the day of salvation. David said, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He's talking about the day of salvation. That when the world see Jesus, they will rejoice in the day that Jesus came to redeem man. It's not a day that you choose to laugh. Go and read the first verses there. We're talking about Jesus. Plan, no plan. 10 o'clock, your friend now calls you. Say, are you free? Say, I'm free. Say, I just want to see one of my uncle. Then you are in that uncle's place. Then that uncle's grandfather died in the village. He said, I'm looking for two boys before to help me carry canopy. You left the home to go and visit. Then you now live there straight to the village. You are now carrying canopy. No slippers, no boxers, nothing. You are, because you didn't have a plan. Be, be weary of people that are always free. Call them. Say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Say, come, come, come. What's the problem? Are you here when I'm be weary of people that are always free? It means there's no productivity. Because if there's productivity with your time, there are times you say, Oh, I'm free, so so and so period. This period, I'm not free. Why? You're committing to something. Saints, we can't stumble into greatness. The last one here order in your physical environment would aid your productivity. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 4. The queen of Sheba was not only moved by the wisdom of Solomon. He says, I saw how people were climbing your staircase. I saw how the food was arranged. I saw the apparel of your servants. She saw order. When you go to a booker, you will know that there's no order. You go to a top class restaurant, you will see order. Am I right? Come on, am I right? You have not eaten in a booker before? Booker is food is ready. Have you eaten if food is ready? Huh? They just serve you, they'll give you plate, they'll give you pure water, they'll point where to wash your hand for you. Say, go there, wash your hand. They can even give you a cup and go outside. Front of the gutter, you wash your hand there. No health, nothing. Disorder. <laughs> Use your right hand to eat and your left hand to dry flies. That's, that's, I mean, that's how I mean. But you go to a proper restaurant where things are done properly, you see the chef with their hair covered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's order. Increases productivity. Increases value. That's why you pay more in those restaurants. You are not just paying just for the food. The egg might be the same, but you are paying for the arrangement of the egg. And you can go to Buka, they say, oh, I want to buy egg. They will give you the egg and, and one iron cup and say, break it. Yourself. So you break it and then you are peeling it yourself. That's why you are not paying. Are you? <laughs> I mean, you go to some, to some restaurant and the same egg is put on nice stainless plates with, 
with spoon and some lights around. It's the light you are paying for. You are paying for everything. It's not the egg. The egg is 100 naira, but you are paying for the light, the arrangement, the, the white shirt the people are wearing, the signboard that is glittering, the mop. You are paying everywhere. So if you don't want to pay that kind of money, you go where they will give you the egg and an iron cup and you break it yourself. <laughs> you come, and then when you break the egg yourself, you can pay 15 naira for that egg. It's the same thing in your life. It looks funny, but if you don't bring order into your life, people will treat you with less value. If you don't bring order into your life, people will treat you as if you're not. You're, and and order is not pride. You must understand that. Order just means that you have a system by which things work in your life. Praise God. Three things you must do after this message and do them today. Do them today. When you get home after you have eaten, first time, the first thing, well, don't write this. This is just me talking. The first thing to start with is today arrange your food orderly. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, serve your family in an orderly manner. Some of you will serve food and forget water. Forget water, forget napkin. Forget napkin, yeah, just disorder. Hmm? And those of you that like keeping plates for visitors, eh? go and bring those plates down. You are royalty. Today, tell yourself, I'm a visitor. <laughs> Things to do. Number one, Identify areas in your life that you need to bring order. We, let's all go back today and pick out areas. I've picked a few areas that I want to work on. It might be very simple things, like just making sure your physical space is properly arranged, your finances properly arranged, your relationships, just areas. Then number two, develop a system. It might take some time. What system am I going to use in my finance? For instance, when money comes into my, my hand, I know what percentage goes to God. I know what percentage goes to the family. I know what percentage goes to people. Just put it there. Just a system. So every time money comes, you're not thinking what to do. Okay? Then, number three, maintain consistency. So, three things you must do immediately after this message. The first biggest thing you need to do, identify areas in your life that needs what? Order. Then develop a system to bring order. Then maintain consistency in these things. Praise the name of the Lord. Have you been blessed this morning? Alright, let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you will help us. And by the strength of the Spirit, that order will come into our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's... Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.